0: Kick it in. What? Kick the door down. But it's his door. He's had it since he was a boy. He raised it from a
1: peephole. Kick it or I'll kick you.
2: Welcome to the show, Moonlighting fans. Whether you're a Moonlighting fan from way back when, or whether you are new to Moonlighting and you want to know what all the hype is about, you have come to the right place. Hi, I'm Grace.
0: And I'm Shauna. And we're your hosts for the podcast that is all about Moonlighting. When we talk about Moonlighting, we're talking about the Emmy Award-winning 80s TV series starring Bruce Willis and Simple Shepherd. So if you're a fan of theirs, you're going to want to stay tuned as we review all 66 episodes.
2: We hope you enjoy this journey with us because we are going to be watching the series episodes one by one and discussing them every week. Now, this is going to take several years, as you can imagine, so please join us because we are going to have so much fun along the way. We will also be releasing bonus episodes of interviews with creators, cast and crew to extend your listening experience. That's right. And we really want to include our
0: Moonlighting fans in this project as much as possible. So write to us and let us know what your thoughts are. And even if you have some trivia to disclose, our email address is fans at com, and we will include you in our future episodes.
2: So stay with us. Shauna and I are beyond excited to finally bring moonlighting into the 21st century for some serious discussions. You up for it, Shauna? I sure am. Well, well let's, let's get, get started.
0: started. And they're back at the Woodleys, and there just happens to be one like open parking spot. <laughs>
2: These right days, him. you wouldn't have been able to get into the street. But yeah. there they go. They get out of the car. They walk up. The police are oblivious. They just walk up to the front door and make out their insurance consultants. Yes.
0: Okay, I love the, the shot of them walking across the grass, and yes. they see the body taken out. And there's a close-up for a minute. David has his hand on Maddie's back. But then in the wide shot, when they go to walk up to the door, he takes her hand, yes. and they hold hands.
2: I love How cute that. is it, Grace? Yes, he helps her up because it's a steep hill to get up to the door.
0: Yeah, he kind of pulls Um, her up there. And then Sybil, kind of being athletic, she kind of like jumps over the hedges or whatever. They kind of like leap over and David kind of tucks their way in.
2: The first thing I noticed, because I've been listening with the new headphones, is the police scanner.
0: Yeah. Um, They say
2: say something about LaGuardia and Washington Square South. Hmm. Now, LaGuardia, that's in New York, yeah?
0: Yeah, that's New York. Yeah. yeah. And Washington
2: Square South. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that comes out over the scanner. Okay. All right. They see the coroner uh, wheeling out a body in a body bag. And Maddie says, You don't think that's only one way to find out? And that's when David holds her hand and they walk in, which is lovely. Yeah. I know. It's so cute. They're so cute. And David pretends he's from Cleveland Mutual Life. <laughs> And he flashes yeah. his badge. I don't know what he flashed, but it wasn't Cleveland. It wasn't any identification. <laughs> yeah. Right. Hello, officer. we from Cleveland Mutual Life. I understand you have a policy holder inside in dire need. So the policeman just, yeah, no worries. Go inside. <laughs> oh, I know. And you know what cracks me up every time? It's so convenient that the detective is on the phone disclosing everything about the murder. Oh, I know. Yeah.
0: W-O-O-D-L-E-Y. Gale. Blood
2: instrument. There's some blood on the bedroom phone, so we're bringing that with us. No, no. No No signs of forced entry. No signs of theft. (laughs) so funny.
0: And Maddie turns around and she sees Mr. Woodley sitting by himself in the living room. And so Maddie and David approach him and, yeah, he just kind of looks very sad and is saying he was trying to uh, schedule a manicure appointment some madman was murdering his wife.
2: Good actor, making out that somebody else killed his wife. When you're looking at it, you're thinking, oh, must have been um, Peter Macy. Yeah. Can I just ask you something? How do you kill somebody with a phone? Maybe hit her over the head? Oh, you're saying, okay, I took it as just the receiver, but the whole phone, yes. Okay, gotcha. I was just picturing you holding the just the receiver, you know. Yeah. But yeah, he could
0: have set up the whole box because, you know, those phones back in the day were really heavy. Yeah, that's know? true. Yep, yeah. got
2: it now. I'm all right now. It's all clear. Yep, all right. Yep. <laughs> all right. <laughs> that's what we're here for, you know, clear it all up. Yeah, so he says there's no sign of forced entry, no signs of theft, just the night table drawer forced open. Ooh. So Mr. Woodley has taken the letters out of the drawer so that mm-hmm. they don't see that evidence at all yep so this scene's just maddie and david walking over to mr woodley to give him their condolences and to say that they knew his wife they don't say how now i don't know whether you've ever heard this after maddie says we're terribly sorry there's this clicking sound that happens after that Mm. Okay. I don't know if it's from production, but it doesn't seem to be part of the scene. So, yeah, I think somebody made a clicking sound when they shouldn't have. Because I just felt there was no need for that sound at the time. You know what it sounded like? You know when you used to play cassette tape and then you'd stop the tape and and that clicking sound from the button?
0: Oh, yeah. That's what it sounded like.
2: That's what it sounded like. I thought it was a nice touch using the background as well the shot is on Mr. Woodley and in the background you can see them putting the body in the coroner's van. Uh So that was sort of nice sort of timing, nice touch that they added there. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Sounds like they may have had an argument about the letters. Either he's found them or they've had a fight and then he's looked around and found them and Jimmy the drawer open and that's how the bedside table was damaged. So that's it. So they leave Mr. Woodley. Yep. And then they're in the car. And they're back nice. in the car again.
0: And Maddie's driving again. Okay, so Maddie drives twice. And this is 100% poor man's process done on the set, not driving around on the streets. The car is rocking. <laughs> the lights are, you know, floating across. It was done on set.
2: It's very Cars. dark.
0: You could tell it was just...
2: Yeah. It be that dark.
0: Yeah. And the car is really rocking more than it would, you know, when they're just being on the tow car. Yeah, the lights are floating over just perfectly. and um, But, yeah, understandable. Don't want to be out at night filming. But uh, they're heading straight back to Mr. P. Macy.
2: Yeah, so David's wondering why they're going in the wrong direction. That's when Maddie admits that David was right and she was wrong. And he is a nut and he killed her, didn't he? <clears throat> but David's like, no, well, hang on a minute. You know, <clears throat> we don't know that yet. He's on the right track out, David. We know that. Or we are got
0: to
2: know it. <laughs> so she storms down the hallway to Mr. Macy's apartment. She's on admission. Sure is. The dark silhouette lighting's great in this too. It's really good. Oh, um, yeah. That is great. How they go through the light and shadows. Get on the with change. Jerry. hmm And I love how David's trying to catch up to her. It's so funny.
0: Yes, I love that too. She is on a mission. Yeah, he's running behind her. <laughs>
2: She begins banging on the door and yelling his name. And David's like, hang on, I don't think he's going to hear you.
0: Yeah, yeah. Why are you doing that, Maddie, when you know he's not going to hear you? you know. And
2: this is one of your favorite scenes.
0: It is. It's <laughs> one of my favorite quotes from the series. I say it all the time. Yes. <laughs> I mean, when I can. It's great. It's the whole role reversal, too, that we've been talking about, you know, because before it was, like, very much David leading the charge to, like, kick the door in and stuff. And now Maddie's like, kick it, kick the door. <laughs> My favorite line is kick it or I'll kick you. And he immediately <laughs> kicks it and then looks at the camera and says, Easy choice. Yeah. She'll kick him, you know, as hard as she can. Kick it in. What? Kick the door down. But it's his door. He's had it since he was a boy. He raised it from a peephole. Kick it or I'll kick you.
2: <laughs> I love a little violent Maddie, you know?
0: Yeah, she pops
2: <laughs> up once in a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's there. This scene actually mirrors the scene in The Murders in the Mail when Maddie and David go to Roy Hirsch's apartment and then she goes back and calls him a gold bricker. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's great. They find out that Mr. Macy's not there. Maddie finds a letter in Mr. Macy's typewriter and as she reads it, she realises it's a suicide letter and an admission that he killed Gail Woodley. But as I'm huh. looking at it, I'm thinking... In future days, CSI days, don't touch the letter. Fingerprints, oh, you know, epithelials. That
0: is true. Yep. Call the police and let them investigate the scene. Yeah, make sure, you know, it wasn't planted there or something like that, Matt. He just pulls it out of the tape and starts reading it. By doing what I've done, perhaps beyond this world, I'll
2: find Gail in another life. Gee, that sounds like...
0: David's looking out the window like, yep.
2: It is. Now, this is really good how they've done this because, again, the lighting on this gentleman lying yeah. on the ground... I mean, it's dark, but you can tell that it's Mr. Macy.
0: Yeah, it's really kind of cool, the lighting. It's like the lighting is coming from the perspective of his head, so it's like his his head first and then outlines the body.
2: Yeah, because he was sort of balding, so they accentuated that part of him. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I like that. But Maddie's reaction, she's too far back to see.
0: Yeah.
2: I don't know. I just, when you're looking down, it's pretty close to the building, But then when Maddie's looking, she's not close enough to David to see the body.
0: I know what you're saying. She just kind of comes up behind David, but isn't like leaning out the window to like see the body on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of like how they're like, he's to the side looking out and she kind of just comes up behind him. But yeah, I agree.
2: Mr. Macy is Martin Ferrero. He's a well-known face. His career goes back to 1979. He was in TV shows, MASH, Mork, Mindy. He did five episodes of Hill Street Blues. Uh, he was in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles in 1987 with John Candy and um, Steve Martin. He was That's in right. Miami Vice as well. If you're a Jurassic Park fan, the original Jurassic Park, he is the lawyer, Gennaro. He gets eaten by the T-Rex mm. while he's in the toilet.
0: Mm. Okay.
2: <laughs> yeah. And Oscar in 91, and he was in Heat in 1995 with Al Pacino. Okay. So that's Martin Ferrero who played Mr. Macy. Now we're back at Blue Moon. Yeah. I would just say that
0: I like this. It just seems very like natural and like them in the middle of their busy work day and you know Maddie coming back like she's got to meet David, they have this funeral, they're you know kind of the next things. I love her outfit. I love this great outfit. I kind of like that Maddie's caught up in the next things that they have to do and but then even though she's caught up in the busy day or whatever and the next thing they have to do she she sees that Agnes is upset.
2: Yes. My first impression is, yeah, she walks in. I know you like this outfit, but this top on her, this satin top, it looks really uncomfortable to me. Yeah. Just me. Maybe it's the shape it. at the front, how it buttons yeah. up at the front. It's Satin is very difficult to wear. Yeah. Her body, she can wear satin. But this top, it just looks uncomfortable on her. That's just my point of view. It's beautiful, but, like, I'm watching it now. I'm watching her and Bert talking. It just doesn't. And I'm looking at the posture again from the body double. It's completely different.
0: Mm-hmm-hmm.
2: Yeah, from the back, that's yeah. clearly at her. It's clearly
0: curly wig. I like, she goes like, oh, oh. She definitely has a lot of sympathy for Agnes, like, being upset yeah. and everything, which is sweet. Yeah. You know? It's not in yet.
1: Lots of people
0: are not in yet. Yeah. Oh, she doesn't want them like making out in the office, but she definitely is like feeling for Agnes. Yeah. Another comment on Maddie's top, you know, this is the kind of outfit that Sybil can pull off in season three, but they will try to put outfits like this on her in season five and it just doesn't work. It reminds me of a season five outfit that then I would agree with you. It looks uncomfortable, but I don't know. There's something I think I'm thinking about like going to a funeral and I kind of like the gray and the satin for the funeral. I like the color that, you know what I mean?
2: Mm. Uh, yeah I know you're saying and yeah I don't know there's just something about this top that it's not eye candy like it normally is to me when I look at her beautiful mm-hmm. outfits and how lovely she looks in them yeah this one doesn't do it for me but that's just my opinion you know I hear you I agree it's not my favorite it's not my absolute favorite and no. I do agree now that I'm
0: looking at it again as well yeah it's a yeah maybe it's a little bunched up in the front you're right the material is hard for it to lay right and everything you can see her bra strap in the back
2: It's a difficult fabric to work with, especially when you're sewing on satin and to wear satin. There's not a lot of people that can wear satin, put it that way, because it shows everything. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Yes. Anyway. All right. So Maddie can't work out why David's not in yet because it's 1030 and the Wobblies are making fun of Agnes and they're doing huggy, kissy movements because she's upset that she can't find Herbert anywhere. She's been ringing his place, the police, the hospitals, every temp agency in town. At least I know he's not dead or working somewhere else. (laughs) Maddie goes,
0: well, that certainly takes a load off my mind.
2: (laughs) And she walks into her office. So now we're in Maddie's office, and this is the scene I call giving Bruce a break. Uh Absolutely, yep. Bruce is getting a day off. (laughs) And she walks in and slams the door. So I'm counting that as a slam as well. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: I kind of love this next scene with uh, Maddie and and Bert.
2: Yeah, I like it. I think it's a nice little scene with them together. We get to know a little bit more about Bert. Mm -hmm. that he's very good at accounting and scrunching up computer paper because by the end of this scene, that paper is ruined. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's a mess. And from inside the office to outside the office, it becomes more of a mess. God knows how many takes ahead because he would have had to drop the paper, pick it up, drop the paper, pick it up. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, we find Herbert under her desk and she nearly I has know. a heart attack because she pushes yeah. her chair in and he groans. Oh, my gosh.
1: What are you doing under there? Get out.
0: What were you doing
2: under there? Fiscal 85.
0: <laughs> That's great. That's a great response, fiscal That's 85. so good.
2: She has a little D and M with him. She's saying, "Why do you stay here? You're a temporary yeah. employee. Like, why doesn't he just contact his employer and ask them to get him out of there?" But Herbert loves this place. He likes Maddie. He likes Mister Addison. Hey, it's crazy.
0: I mean, it's uh, it's like, it's like special class in junior high school, you know, when every day's an assembly or a field trip.
2: <laughs> she wants to know whether Herbert likes Mr. Pesto. Well, she's not your cousin, is she?
0: I mean, I figure she's got to be related to somebody around here.
2: No, she kind of came with the place. It's like she's yeah. just part of the building. She's part of the furniture. Yeah.
0: It's great. It's a really good and interesting description of Blue Moon, like a special class where every day's a field trip or <laughs> an assembly. was so funny. And um, the advice that she gives Herbert here, And then what would happen? I mean, I'm always too busy running away from her. Then why not stop running? Because then she'd catch me. And then what will happen?
2: Then we're saved by the bell. Agnes has put David through on the phone.
0: Post office.
2: Stop yelling. All right. I'll be right there. Now, (laughs) (laughs) what's David yelling about? He's obviously telling her, we haven't got much time. Get over here now. Yeah. She grabs her stuff, goes to the door opens it, then slams the door shut again to talk to Herbert. She wants to tell him what she thinks, but then she goes, you know what? It doesn't matter what I think. If I don't see you again, have a nice life, Mr. Viola. Little does she know, he's not getting out of her life.
0: No, not anytime soon.
2: So she leaves and slams the door. So then we have a very awkward, uncomfortable scene with Agnes and Herbert. Herbert walks out of Maddie's office and Agnes looks up And senses that he is standing behind her and she says, Herbert, she says his name five times. I counted, Shauna. She said it five times. She is so happy to see him and she keeps hugging him. She's oblivious Mm. that he's not hugging her. Mm -hmm. Um, But I love what Elise does in this scene. I love Agnes's mannerisms. (laughs) She's so excited. She hugs him, then pulls away and looks at him. Then hugs him, pulls away and looks at him. I love it. I just love it. But then she says, what are you doing? And he says, I'm just standing here. What are you doing? It's a bit sad. There's a bit of a silent moment. She finally gets a message that he's not interested and walks back to her desk. Yeah. yeah. You've got to understand, Agnes, you have been going a little bit overboard, sweetheart. I mean, I love you dearly. You need to step back a little bit and do some self mm-hmm. reflection and have a look at what you've actually been doing in the office.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think she's starting to kind of get the message that he's been hiding from her because I like it when she says,
1: What? Were you in there, there all the time?
0: I think she's like, ooh, he was hiding from me. And she comes on very strong at first, but yes, things moderate a bit.
2: Yes. But I just love the state of the computer paper he's holding, it keeps changing between cuts. Um, Um, It's really gone through the ringer. So by the time he gets back to his desk, it's totally screwed up. Mm -hmm. And poor Agnes is just left sitting at her desk, ripping Mm -hmm. the date off the harbour calendar. (laughs) ripping paper.
0: Poor Agnes. Okay, well, that's where we leave them for now. For now. So Maddie pulls up another front row parking. (laughs) (laughs) I Uh, love this scene.
2: It's so funny. Hey, lady, want to lick my mail?
0: (laughs) (laughs) David what are you doing? What are we going to do? We forgot to mention that. She says it earlier. when They go to see Mr. Macy for the second time. Anyway, you want to talk about
2: it? Yeah. I just, I could watch this scene over and over <laughs> as she parks the car and she walks out and then he goes, Hey lady, want to lick my mail? And then David yep. comes into view and he goes, Matty! With his arms yeah. out. Yeah. Uh, what was he just standing there and she didn't see him? She just pulled up up front yeah, she had the blinkers on. She was just going straight to the door. Hey, lady, i to lick my mail.
0: David. Maddie. You scared me to death. <laughs>
2: know, That's dude. funny. So he says, walk with me. David's been thinking.
0: You're not going to believe this. but last night I started thinking. It's about time. Yep,
2: there's another one. He can't work out why Mr. Macy caught five buses from his home all the way to the Woodleys' home, kills Gale. Then covered in yeah. blood and guilt, catches five buses back to his home and then kills himself. Yeah. Does it make sense? Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. Yeah. Well, he's right because you take the vast majority of your murder suicides, and in the main,
0: they do not feature an intermission between Act One and Act Two. You know what? He
2: is right. It's a good so, point. Yeah, this scene's really good where they walk around the pillar, <laughs> around the other side of the pillar. So David has time to explain that ten minutes yeah. before he called Maddie. He called Mr. Woodley yep. planted a seed.
0: Ten minutes before I called you, I planted a seed.
2: Planted a seed. Planted a seed. Indeed. Indeed. So he has told Mr. Woodley about who they were and how they knew his wife and how Mr. Macy's death looks like a suicide, but they think it's a murder. Then he tells him that Gail had written to Mr. Macy warning him that someone else was behind all the letter writing and that the letter may still be in Mr. Macy's post office box, just waiting for the cops to come with a court order. <laughs> I love how he says this in this sort of um, hoodlum mafia sort of way. Now, here's the beauty of this little baby. You know, yeah, <laughs> I like how he says that. I run down here, address an envelope, he planted a seed, and according to my calculations... pressed the digitations and other assorted abbreviations, my little sapling ought to be arriving any moment now i love the dialogue there it's really good so of course maddie thinks this is absolutely ridiculous but while she's in mid-sentence she sees mr woodley walking into the post office towards them so they move Mm -hmm. around the pole while he opens his post office box but maddie makes it known that they have been waiting there for him your own key how convenient there's another how convenient shauna
0: how convenient
2: yep Thank you for supporting us, Moonlighting fans. We hope you are enjoying our episodes, and if you feel so inclined, Shauna and I would be very appreciative if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts so that we know we're on track with our content and continue to provide you with a great experience. (laughs) David lets Mr Woodley know what future Mm -hmm. awaits him by saying Mm -hmm. a helpful tip. When you hear the pallets hit the water, count to five and take a really deep breath. You die mm-hmm. quicker that way. So basically, he's going to get the death penalty for what he did. So Maddie informs him she's worked out that he killed Gail, then he killed Mr. Macy to make it look like a murder. But now she wants to know why. And yep. in true moonlighting style, the killer reveals everything to explain why mm-hmm. he did what he did, Shauna. <laughs> yeah. He
0: figures he's caught. He'll just confess everything right then and there. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I loved um, Gail. I did. I do. I did. I like that.
0: Yeah. I love how David is leading Maddie around as he's explaining everything, walking up, you know, to the middle of the post office, waiting for um, Mr. Woodley to arrive. He like kind of is pulling Maddie along and then they're standing really close and they're hiding, like really kind of close together. And then he like pulls her behind. Their physical interaction is very close in this scene, which is
2: always fun to see. I love that. Yeah. It's always <laughs> grabbing her by the arm, pulling her around here and pulling her every which way. And then they end up close together. Yeah. Love yep. that. Yep. Yep. I always have to notice that. And can I just
0: mention one little thing? Because we got a comment about us always, you know, making David a little taller than he really is, I guess. But when they're walking, when they um, step out from behind this beam to talk to Mr. Woodley, Sybil is wearing her shoes. Sybil's 5'8". She's wearing heels. And Bruce is clearly much taller than her. So he's not 5'9 or 5'10", which is a comment we got that we're always making him out to be taller than he is. He's quite a bit taller than her right here, and we know that she's a tall person and she's got heels on. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm always looking, but what I see is that he's always much taller than her. What do you think, Grace?
2: Yes, I agree. In the last couple of weeks, I've seen a few forums where people have been discussing his height. They're going, nah, nah, he's he's not six foot. He's not six foot one. Uh-huh. Um, and they're putting all these th- reasons why they think he's not. And one person said, no, nah, he's shrunk over the years and he's five foot 11 or five foot 10 now. And I'm like, how would you know? <laughs> no, I don't think know? so. Yeah. So okay. he's got to be at least six foot because she's quite tall already. So,
0: and if you look at them standing side by side talking to Mr. Woodley right here in the post office, yeah. and you can see when they step out, she has her heels on. So she's even a little taller. He's, inches taller than her there so anyway i can
2: see it's at least four inches i reckon yeah
0: at least four inches yeah he's you know it's not even like
2: yeah
0: and she has her shoes on it's not even that their height is really close no he's like half a head taller Mm. so
2: we gotta look at everything yep
0: and address the comments we get Mm. i'd say six foot yeah
2: okay so they get the explanation from Mr. Woodley that at the beginning it was just a joke, things were getting a bit dulled back at the ranch and he decided to write his wife a love letter with the post office box and um, he wrote a lot of private and personal things and I like how he says, a little Aeneas Nin and a little Henry Miller.
0: Mm. So yeah.
2: I'd never heard of Aeneas Nin. Sorry, people. Angela Aeneas. she's got a very long name. Colmel yeah. was a French born American diarist, essayist, novelist, and writer of short stories and erotica. So that explains yeah. that. And Henry Miller was an American novelist, story writer, and essayist as well. And his was explicit language as well. So that's yeah. why they've mentioned them too. Yeah. Um,
0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today.
2: This all goes into how it all happened. He thought he would come home one evening and she would show him the note that she received. But of course, every night he came home, she said nothing. He checked mm-hmm. everywhere, couldn't find it. He just figured it was lost. So he gave up, figured the good old US Postal Service had beaten him out of 22 cents. So oh, geez, I wish they were 22 cents now. Anyway, yeah, really. So he left it at that. But then three weeks later, he receives a phone call from the postmaster. I mean, mm. who would receive a okay. phone sure. call from the postmaster? But anyway, right. um, asking him if he wanted to renew the rental on the postbox. And of course, <laughs> of course, yeah, of course, I'll close it because you know what? He doesn't need it anymore. But when he came mm-hmm. back to return the key, there was another letter from his wife.
1: Gail wrote the vest back. This guy, this guy that doesn't exist. And of course, yeah. the
2: letter's personal and private and intimate as his was. This is the best line here when he says,
1: So what am I to do? I mean, my wife is cheating on me. With me.
2: <laughs> so that good. Yeah. Yeah. Strange. Yeah. Um, he created a situation. That's right. What do you expect? Anyway, they kept writing to each other, blah, blah, blah. And he said, she said some terrible things. I like how we acted that out too. His expression when he said that.
0: She said, uh, some terrible
2: things. Now, this is when we find out that Macy was just hanging around and Mr. Woodley used to go across the road, sit on the park bench to read Gail's letters. And one day Macy saw him crying and they started to talk. And he said, oh, well, you know what I mean? Because obviously they Mm. had to communicate somehow. So he looked like he needed the money and he was losing the stomach to keep up the charade. So Mr. Woodley told Macy... To take over the job of writing to Mrs. Woodley, but didn't tell him that that was his wife. And then he said, I think he took the job very much to heart, which he did. He took it very seriously. Yeah. Um, So what do we do now? Police. That's usually how we wrap things up around here. So Paul Roebling plays Mr. Woodley. His career goes back, believe it or not, to 1954. He was in a lot of old TV series. Mrs. Miniver. And he was in the movie Blue Thunder, which I love, from 1983 with Roy Scheider. He was also in an episode of Miami Vice in 1984, probably around about the same time Bruce was in it. Yeah, so he's mainly known for Mrs. Miniver, Tomorrow in 1972. Tomorrow, (laughs) that's what it's called. Yeah, Tomorrow. In 1981, he was the assistant U.S. attorney in Prince of the City. And in 1983, he was in Blue Thunder. and There's a little bit of trivia about this gentleman, Shauna. Mm, What's that? He is the great-grandson of John Roebling, who was the designer of the Brooklyn Bridge and grandson of Washington Roebling, who finished the construction of the bridge at his father's death. So he's got a bit of a history. How's that?
0: Yeah. He's got a historical family.
2: And we're on for young and old now, Shauna. (laughs) Yep. They begin to walk away, and Mr. Woodley grabs this poor woman, looks like an employee, and moves Mm -hmm. her around and bashes her into David and Maddie. Yeah, And we are on with the chase and the music. Mr. Postman.
0: Yeah. The post office is very busy. There's lots of people everywhere. Did you notice what happened as the chase begins? Yes. (laughs) I did
2: notice. I did notice. I noticed (laughs) that... The camera is facing Maddie and David and Mr. Woodley. He grabs the woman, bashes her into Maddie and David, Mm -hmm. and then you see the camera from the other side. Maddie and David have fallen on the floor with the woman. Then they get up to pass the pillar. but Mm -hmm. They go behind the pillar. Yes. And then the doubles appear on the other side as they run away. Is that what you were going to say?
0: Yes. So Sybil and Bruce disappear behind the pillar and their doubles are standing on the other side and they they run and do the running. Really clever moonlighting. Good job.
2: It was very clever moonlighting. Mm-hmm. Yes. It was a good way of doing it to cut between the scene so that the body doubles could take over.
0: Yeah. And then we have a whole chase scene through the uh, post office, the back of the post office with all the letters and bags and mail being thrown around and Kind of a classic line, David, with uh, Maddie's legs in the air.
2: Personally, I'd like to end of the episode right here. Yeah, it's <laughs> full-on farcical again. It's so good. Mr. Woodley runs to the rear of the post office where all the action is, where all the sorting is done. Yeah. And every time they speak, the music stops, which is really good. Uh, um, and yeah. did you notice when Maddie falls out of the big mail trolley onto the scale? Yes. The gentleman? Yes. That's Chino, that's Williams, and he's in another episode of Moonlighting, which we've mentioned before. He was the short order cook in the next murder you hear when he was listening to the radio, so he's in it twice as well. Yeah, another reoccurring guest. Yeah,
0: love it. And he's reading a tabloid magazine, and on the tabloid magazine there is a cheeky little story as uh, like Bruce and Sybil's faces might have been a real. One, they Maybe they just got one of those tabloids that had one of those stories they were always posting about him. And it says something like, Sybil says Bruce is a pig.
2: Oh, I didn't see that. All I saw was Liz Taylor's grapefruit diet. Well, I think the reason he's holding
0: it is because there is like, a, I think it says Moonlightings. Sybil says Bruce is a pig. That's what it says. That's the story on it. So it's kind of in the lower right-hand corner. You can see there's a picture of Bruce and Sybil, just their heads. I think it was probably a real tabloid story at the time, not not one that they manufactured like in some other episodes.
2: I noticed it was the Globe,
0: which is a, was a real tabloid. Yeah,
2: yeah. I couldn't see that. All I saw was what I could read, and everything else was blurry. So you've obviously got a clearer vision than I have. That's interesting. Right, on,
0: funny, kind of cute. You can see the word Sybil. It's in red. The box is in red. Oh, that's yeah. something that I didn't know. Well done, Shauna. Okay. Well. I thought you'd catch it, but we always have little surprises for each other.
2: Isn't it great how thing. we don't catch the same thing? That's really good. It's great for the listeners too. I know. <laughs>
0: yes, love it.
2: I just like how he says,
0: "Gonna take a whole lot extra postage," and she
2: gives him a dagger. That's great. That is, that's gonna be a whole, whole lot extra postage. <laughs> and he, you know so, what? He it doesn't even help her get up.
0: Oh, I know. He's not even looking at her. He didn't even see the weight,
2: and she is not impressed at all.
0: No.
1: And
2: then no, Mr. No, Woodley no. bashes into our little stuntman, C. Thomas Howe. the yeah. same one from Lady in the Iron Mask, the little waiter.
0: The stunt coordinator on the show, Chris Howell, that's his son, yeah. C. Thomas Howell, who later became a pretty yeah. well-known actor. He makes multiple cameo appearances in Moonlighting throughout the seasons.
2: Yeah. And David bashes into him after Mr. Woodley's already bashed into the poor bugger.
0: <laughs>
2: yep. <laughs> he gets bashed into twice. I like how Um, Mr. Woodley is cornered by the accounting department. I think that's hilarious. Um, (laughs) David approaches him and he tries to climb up the cage. Like, where the hell does he think he's going? Oh, I know. David grabs him and he lands on all these mailbags and the music stops and he goes. Photographs?
1: Do not bend. Now look what you
0: did. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I love that.
2: (laughs) So they have a good old punch on and then Woodley is trying to strangle David and Maddie comes along to save the day by placing a mailbag over his head. And one of the cuts is her double. You can see that. Even though she's facing the camera and it's a wide shot, she's far away. So that's probably why they thought, oh, well, just double. And they grab him and put him on the conveyor belt and he lands bum up. (laughs) And if you're in a post office, you do what post office workers do. Place a cancelled stamp on his bum.
0: <laughs> yep. I like that. And then I like it when David reiterates oh,
1: yeah. I'd still rather end the show with her legs in here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, and by the way, this version of Please Mr. Postman is by the Marbolettes from nineteen sixty one. And I'm sure everybody remembers the Carpenters also did a cover of this song in nineteen seventy-five where it hit number one again because the Marvelette's version also hit number one. Yeah. So Maddie decides to cancel his forehead with all the postal workers looking on with a boing sound effect. But I tried to look and look and look, and I don't think she got any ink on him. Yeah. Okay. I think it was dry. I think it was dry. And I noticed another goof, Shauna. Oh, what? She's holding the stamp the wrong way. Oh, Really? Yeah, she's oh. holding the canceled yeah. stamp backwards. Okay. So if she had a stamp yes. that guy's bum, it would have been upside down.
0: Oh, my gosh. That's so <laughs> funny. That's a good catch.
2: I think the postal workers were having a good time. There was people in the back office just standing there watching.
0: I think uh, maybe it was a lot of postal workers, and they were just like, you know, let us film this scene around. I don't know. Or maybe they were extras. I don't know how that all works. But like you said, there were a lot of people standing around watching.
2: That is such a funny scene. Yeah. A lot of tripping, lot of fun. falling, and Maddie was right into it, falling into the mail trolley, yep. and then she falls on the scale, and, and the punch it's on so with David and Woodley. And oh, <laughs> it was a really good, has, sudden ending, really good comedic ending to the scene.
0: It has Glenn written all over it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, then we're back at Blue Moon for a little, um, kind of a double end tag scene we've got here. But my first question is, what clock are the Wobblies watching?
2: Yes, because that's that's not the normal clock, is it?
0: Yeah, right? They have a digital clock in there. Yes. Yeah,
2: they wanted to show the second hand. That's why. (laughs) Yes, everyone
0: just waits
2: for the five o'clock. Listen, Moonlighting, you can't just change the clock willy-nilly because you feel like Mm -hmm. it, okay? It's a digital clock. (laughs) Now you want to change it to an analog. (laughs) That's so funny. I love it.
0: So all the Wobblies rush out and, and Herbert too. And then Agnes kind of slowly follows along.
2: You know what this scene reminds me of? First of all, the school bell rings Yeah, as the clock gets to five exactly. o'clock. So they all start walking out. All the workers rush out with Herbert in tow. Mm-hmm. So they've all rushed out and he just walks out behind them. And it just reminds me of a scene in Jumanji, you know, when they have the um, the stampede. And oh, yeah, there's a um,
0: like a rhinoceros,
2: yeah, possibly, yeah, it might be a rhinoceros or something. Um, anyway, the stampede's always ahead of this poor rhinoceros, and, and the rhinoceros just walks along behind. It just reminds me, oh, I'm goodness. not calling Curtis Armstrong a rhinoceros, by the way, but it just reminds mm-hmm. me of that scene how it was always left behind, you know. All
0: yeah,
2: right. okay, all right, so now they're all waiting at the lift. But the lift's pretty full. So Herbert and Agnes are pretty much left out. They're pushed out. Yeah. So we're left with Herbert and Agnes staring at each other, pressing the button. But it's a nice side view of them. The wide shot, I like that. No dialogue, but you know what each of them is thinking. And then we go yes. back to Maddie and David's office.
0: So yeah, we kind of have a double end tag with Agnes and Bert. She's kind of taking a step back now after you know chasing him all for the entire episode. And then yeah Maddie and David um, are in their respective offices. I love the lighting. All the blues, all the mauves, beautiful lighting as always. Jay Finnerman, just kind of a fun. Now this is what I was saying earlier they were talking about love letters and then, of course you know the whole storyline revolved around letters being sent back and forth so it's kind of a fitting ending where they're each kind of going through their mail, looking at their mail and then kind of thinking like, oh maybe I'll write a letter to I guess each other right? Dear fella, you don't know me, but I know you. Both of them kind of toy with writing their own little love letters, I guess. But don't you think they're really writing them to each other? Yeah, of course they are. Yeah. Dear fella. Hello, stranger. You don't know me, but I know you
2: just felt like dropping you an anonymous line and tell you I'm watching and waiting and wondering. <laughs> yeah. Love it. It's cute. All of a sudden, he's got this clear perspex block that he's writing on. Ah, <laughs> yeah. It was a good addition from the prop department because otherwise, on his couch, what was he going to write on? He would have had to be at his desk. I so know. it was good they put him on the couch.
0: Yeah, yeah. I like it. Something different. Different uh, framing than what Mattie's doing. Maddie looks like she's having fun writing.
2: Her yeah, she does. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, he, and him too. His little dimples keep poking
2: through. Yeah, yeah. It's cutie. And they both screw up their paper, and she throws mm-hmm. it behind her, and of course he throws it in the bin, and it's a perfect shot.
0: Yeah, I'm laughing at that glass block that he wrote on. I didn't <laughs> notice that before. That's so funny. Oh, you never props department. It. Really. I never really like gave it a thought. You know. And then these two come out of the office, yeah, you know, kind of face-to-face. <sighs> tomorrow. Tomorrow what, Grace?
2: Tomorrow what? What were they going to say? Were they going to talk about the letters? I don't know. What yeah. It's like they
0: both had something to say. They were going to write each other a love letters, or something like that. But it's kind of like at the end of Camille, it'll keep to the fall. It'll keep to the fall. Like tomorrow. They're always putting everything off until tomorrow.
2: Yeah, because it's like they're leaving it up to the fans' imagination, what they think they were going to say. And they don't say it at the same time either. The tomorrow is a bit off, but uh, that often not annoys me, but I just, I don't know. It's not like they ran out of time because then they use Agnes and Herb at the end. It's not a short scene, them in the elevator and then going down to the ground floor. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like they ran out of time, but I think they just ran out of Bruce and Sybil. <laughs> you can now go to ko slash moonlightingthepodcast. That's ko-fi.com slash moonlightingthepodcast. And buy yourself a door slam. Yes, that's right, a door slam. Some devoted Moonlighting fans have contacted us since we began this project to find out how they can support us. As you are well aware, Shauna and I do this with great joy and we have so much fun creating this podcast every week and interacting with you guys on social media and via our fans at moonlightingthepodcast.com email. So we would be ever so grateful for any small donation that you can make. Maddie would be proud.
0: I do like um, when they're leaving the office and Maddie goes to turn off the lights and then David kind of swings the door open for her. She walks through and then um, I think it's kind of a simple smile that um, she kind of gives Bruce and they like shut the door and walk away. And the vibe is much better than the beginning. So in the beginning, like we were saying, there was some tension and then towards the end, it's much softer between the two of them. Seems like, and then we've got the very, very end tag with, uh, like you said, Agnes and Bert going down the elevator and Agnes is just kind of like leaving him alone. And then he's kind of thinking, maybe I do like the attention from her.
2: Yeah. It's um, he- it's sad. I mean, I could understand how Bert is feeling. Agnes, Mm -hmm. she went a bit too far, and now there's a lot of tension in the lift, and she can't wait to get to the ground floor. She keeps looking up at the floor numbers, and Herbert isn't sure if he should say something. And just as he's just about to say something, he's opened his mouth to say something to her, the doors open and Agnes rushes out. Um, She was kind
0: of squeezing her eyes shut. She can't wait to get the hell out of there.
2: He stands there a little, then the doors close on him, and he opens them and he's left looking mm-hmm. at her leaving and freeze frame. I think Agnes looks beautiful here. I like how they've done her makeup, her hair and her clothing. She looked lovely in this episode. Mm-hmm. Her lipstick was nice color too.
0: Yes, I agree. Yeah. And Kerske did not get a credit on that. So it says co-starring Mike Nartz and Chino Fats Williams. So those are the two. Yeah, they got a credit credited. in the end. I wonder why.
2: Well, maybe they were going to see how he went first. Yeah. yeah. Memory, he was only supposed to be on maybe two or three episodes. Would that be right? I just, I don't know whether they signed him on for the rest of the season. Yeah, I don't understand when people are credited and when they're not. I don't understand that not being credited. Yeah, but if somebody can explain that to me, that'd be lovely because I've always wanted to know. Yeah, but he definitely should have been credited for this episode. But we credit you for this episode, Curtis. Yes, we
0: do. And there's another episode of Moonlighting, Grace. Look how great we did today. (laughs)
2: 33 hours and 13 minutes
0: (laughs) we did a great job great job it was moving along but we covered everything you know what i mean we noticed so much and covered everything so it's gonna make it easier for you to edit but you know some episodes are pretty dense like symphony was so it'll happen once in a while but yeah this should be much easier for you
2: symphony for some reason there was so much to talk about and that's why we had to make it a three-parter a lot of things going on Anyway, with um, yours very deadly, yeah, another funny episode, a little slower paced than the last episode. The plot yeah. wasn't too complicated, uh, yet it did have a little yeah. twist. We had the opportunity to endure more farce at the post office, and Agnes and Herbert fill in the episode well with their little affair, for want of a better word, um, mm-hmm. which would have given Bruce and Sybil, you know, little time off. Didn't have any overlapping dialogue, I don't think, in this one. No, because they didn't even sync up there tomorrow.
0: <laughs> no, I don't think they had really any overlapping dialogue. I no. mean, what about was there any when she was saying, you know, that we're going to go see Mrs. Woodley and all that? No, I don't think so. No, not no.
2: really. But Maddie and David were entertaining nonetheless. And Sybil looked great, and I loved her outfit changes in this episode. I agree.
0: Some of our favourite moments, yours with the... Uh, by being seen, mine with the kick it or I'll kick you?
2: Yes. My favourite part is I'm what? <laughs> <laughs> You're doing me. And you know what? For Curtis not getting credited for this episode, what he does get to do is end the episode.
0: Yeah, that's true. He got the last little scene there.
2: Yeah. How about we talk about Curtis? Yes, absolutely. All right. So Curtis Armstrong is known for playing Miles Dolby in Risky Business in 1983, Revenge of the Nerds, of course, he was Booger in 1984, and Better Off Dead in 1985. He had a great stint in Moonlighting and he made quite an impression and went on to be a really good writer as well. And he recently released a book, which you are in the middle of reading, Shauna.
0: I am. Yes. Very interesting. Called
2: called Revenge of the Nerd. Yes. He claims that after doing Revenge of the Nerds in 1984, every day of his life, someone recognises him as Booger. (laughs) He hasn't (laughs) changed a bit, though.
0: I know. Yeah. Some characters stick with people, you know.
2: In other works, he was one of the three listed producers on the 1999 reissue of Harry Nilsson's Pussycats album. Now, did you know he did a TV commercial in 2001 and he appeared as the Joker in an OnStar commercial?
0: That's uh, something for cars, like a, an emergency service thing for cars.
2: Oh, okay. So that's Al Curtis. Welcome, Curtis, to Moonlighting. Yes, welcome, Curtis.
0: Great work ahead to be seen.
2: How many door slams did you get, Shauna?
0: I don't know. You tell me. You're better at counting the door slams. I've got outfit changes and feet out of the elevator readily available here. Are there two? One feet out of the elevator, and I got eight outfit changes.
2: I got six door slams. Okay. Sorry, how many outfit changes did you say you got?
0: I got eight. Oh, I got seven. The question for me is, I've been counting it when Maddie puts on a different piece of clothing. So, for example, she has the yellow dress on in the office. And then when they go to the Woodleys, she has a jacket on over that. So I kind of count that as like another outfit change.
2: Oh, right. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, I didn't change that because I thought oh, it's the same outfit jacket on top. All right, so we have eight outfit changes. We have Bruce singing shake, rattle, and roll. We have no Mm -hmm. Agnes rhymes, and we have one scene with feet out of the elevator. Accumulated stats, Shauna.
0: Yes. Drum roll, please.
2: All right, so the accumulated moonlighting stats so far, we have 16 feet out of the elevator. We have nine of Bruce singing. We have 18 Agnes rhymes. And we have 165 outfit changes so far. Wow. (laughs) Quite a wardrobe. And with the door slams, introduction please, Bruce. The total door slams up until yours very deadly is 116. Wow. Yep. (laughs) Rounding up. I can't wait till we get to the end and find out how many door slams there are, Shauna. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> me either it's now time for moonlight mail all right yes we've got a letter how fitting for the episode it's very appropriate isn't it yes go ahead
0: so it's from michael and uh, he starts out good day ladies kind of like good day like you would say in australia so i think <laughs> that's for you grace
2: <laughs> that's probably yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's for you Love it. So Michael says, finally have a chance to fire off an email telling you how much I'm loving your podcast. I have finally caught up with you with the last installment talking about the episode, the man who cried wife. You ladies asked about the sound Maddie and David made during the reveal scene at the episode where you thought it was a nod to the three stooges. I think they were mimicking a snippet of some of the mysterious music moonlighting used from time to time. Hmm. Okay. That's interesting. Oh, and they go like, was that it? Mm. Okay. Well, that's a possibility. There are a number of shows that I watch, um, such as Criminal Minds, The Blacklist, Friday Night Lights, Hogan's Heroes, the Orville and Spencer for Hire. But Moonlighting will always be special because of the antics David would be pulling on Maddie, Santa's Hotline, employees slugging it out in the office and coming in looking like death. But the strong acting performances when things got serious showed that this series was groundbreaking. I do have to admit my initial guess on door slams was only about 50, (laughs) but that's been blown away by the count at 98 and climbing. Yes. And today we're at 116. Um, I also have to compliment Grace on her attention to detail. Case in point, bringing out that Dan Loria from Portrait of Maddie played football at uh, Southern Connecticut State University, and that gets lost in his career. Just goes to show that IMDb, is a go-to app for everyone. Okay, well, Grace, Thank it you. likes your attention. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now to bring up the main thrust of my email. When will Moonlighting appear on Disney Plus? It does make sense that Hulu and Disney Plus will now be combined. So does it make sense that Moonlighting will be there once the music credits get sorted out? It was brought out on one of your recent shows that music featured on the show's do climb to the top of the charts. Yeah, we were talking about that. Kate Bush saw this happen with Stranger Things, as well as Marvin Gaye, Engelbert Hupperdink, Brenda Lee, and the stylistics, seeing their music downloads go up when their music was used in Marvel movies and television shows. It does make sense. Feel free to reach out to me because I do have an understanding of all the references that have been thrown out in the series so far. When you do have an actor who appears in other series besides Moonlighting, use the phrase we Marvel fans use all the time: "It's all connected." Yeah, that's true. Thanks for the wonderful job you ladies are doing. Dave and Maddie would be proud. And thanks for bringing back such great memories of Tuesday nights in the '80s. Sincerely, Michael.
2: Wow! Thanks, what a Michael. Great... What a great email. Thank you,
0: Michael. Yeah, mm. great email. Thanks for reaching out. Love what you had to say and. Of course, your compliments to my wonderful podcast partner, Grace, who is very detailed <laughs> about resumes of these guest stars and, and all that. And I love that he
2: loves the blacklist. Love the blacklist. Mm-hmm. I'm in the middle of watching yep. the final season. Yeah, so um, I do have various research sources. It's not only my IMDb. I mean, I love IMDb, but sometimes they're a little bit out of whack. But thank you for that. And um. Yeah, you're right. There's certain shows at the moment, because of streaming, they choose these songs, and, of course, they skyrocket off the charts again, you know, yeah. and it's great yeah. for the songwriter.
0: Yeah. I know. Yeah, just think of all the, the songs that are going to come back into style once Moonlighting airs. There's just so much great music in there.
2: And it's great that he's got a an understanding of the references too because some of them are just I have no idea. <laughs> mm. Yeah. When
0: we have questions, Michael, you will be our go-to.
2: Thank you very much for your email. That was great. What's our next episode? Um,
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, our next episode is one of my favorites. Well, great episode. All Creatures Great and Not So Great.
2: Yes, that one's a very interesting episode. Got a lot to talk about with that one. And they have a great guest star on this episode as well. Yes, that's going to be a great one to discuss. It's going to be
0: great, great. All right, Grace, well, you have a great, great week, and I will see you next time. See you then. Well, until next time. I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. Thank Thank you you for for listening listening to to Moonlighting Moonlighting the
2: Podcast.
1: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.